You're listening to Systems Symposium, a lively conversation about the systems we encounter in all areas of our lives. We are here to take a deep look at the procedures we follow, the frameworks we live within, the methods we try, and the principles we define in our world. Some days we'll tear apart the inner workings of our favorite tools, and at other times we'll get dreamy and talk about our deepest desires and how we approach them with intention. We're so glad you're here. Let's get to it. Hello, hello. Welcome back to System Symposium. I'm Abby here with Stacy. Stacy, hello. How are you? I'm doing good. Glad to be back. Excited for this topic today. So yeah. Get into it. We are talking all about risk today. And Stacy has aptly named this episode Risky Business. So that makes two episodes in a row where Stacy is referencing wait, is risky business? That's a movie title. Yeah, I'm really on this wave of like the 90s are back. Everything I was doing as a kid, like if it was cool then, it's definitely cool now. Or it definitely just cements my identity as a mom because I'm bringing up things that I think are cool and they're not. So. You know what I think it is? I think that it was all the performers at the Super Bowl this year. It's like that really brought me back. That really made my millennial heart flutter. It was. Well, that was also a moment for me where I was like, this is how you know you're old. Because I remember watching the Super Bowl and like my parents getting excited of like throwing it back. And everyone's like, what do you mean? I was like, you guys, they would bring out the played out people that haven't been on stage in years. And that's why you're excited to see them. Because like, these people don't rock out anymore. I'm like, so the fact that our chiefs were not playing, but we were all still tuned in and super excited. And like, literally the only 10 minutes that we watched intently was the halftime show. I didn't actually so. watch anything else but the halftime show. I'll just admit it. I just I really zoned it was good. I could have done without the booty shorts. I was okay without those, but everything else I was okay with. I thought it was wonderful. Anyway, let's bring this Okay, back so yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the 90s. We can talk uh, about that some other time because I have a 13-year-old like, stepdaughter, so watching her dress right now is like well, that's exactly what I was about to Holy say. Holy shit. The risk of choosing 90s fashion today. When I was in Puerto Rico on vacation, I saw some girls that had to be 15 dressed fully in full on 90s. And I was like, you don't even know what you're wearing. You don't even know the cultural <laughs> significance of what you're wearing. And John, my boyfriend was like, okay, but when you were their age, weren't you wearing like 70s outfits? weren't you totally like pulling from the seventies? I was like, okay. Fine. Okay. But I feel like we got the better end of that deal. Great. I don't know. Don't I would understand. still take a pair of bell bottoms over these wide leg pants. Yeah. Yeah. Any day. By all of it. It's a risk. Yeah. Fashion is a risk. <laughs> Fashion is a risk. It wasn't anywhere on our list of topics, but it's a good segue. Oh yeah. Okay. So I, Really like the idea of talking to you about risk because I think I really don't know where you're at on your risk meter. And I don't think you know that about me either. And it's kind of like a personal thing. Like I was talking to my husband about it and he's like, oh, you're not a risky person at all. And I'm like, are you? And he's like, no, not at all. But I see him do things where I'm like, I wouldn't do that. That's stupid. I usually evaluate when I see someone doing something that they think is risky. I'm just like, no, that's stupid. Why would you do that? <laughs> like, you know, 
So then I realized like this whole concept of risk is like a very internal thing because it's how are you assessing the situation? How are you evaluating danger? And so through our dinner conversations, like, well, what is risk? And it's very much associated to getting involved in a potentially dangerous situation. So like you're evaluating what you're about to get into. So I think I exposed on the scale of like, are you a risk taker zero to 10? I am not. I don't think. However, I could probably tell stories where people would say, well, that's a risky thing that you did. But if you ask me, I would say, absolutely not. I always joke, we hike in the woods a lot. And if there is any body of water, even a little stream that's like six inches wide, I'm the one that's like, will you please hold my hand while I step across this? Because the potential of my boot getting wet is just not worth it to me. Like it would be uncomfortable. It would be cold. I'm like, I could just get help and stay dry and stay fine and be about my business. So like, what is the point? There's no point in taking that risk. Whereas other people are more like, I don't need help jumping over that. And why don't we just dig a trench and make it 10 times wider and see if we can jump even farther. And I'm like, (laughs) no, sir, can I please hold your hand? Will you help me across? My legs are like, shoot, like I'm not tall. I'm like, just don't, I can't do it. So that's where my default mind goes. Just like if there's potential danger, potential risk, that's very avoidable. I'm going to avoid it at all costs. Well, that's interesting that you immediately gut instinct approach the topic of risk from like a physical danger perspective. That's immediately where you went. Because as soon as you said that you don't consider yourself a risky person, I was like, okay, but wait, she has been fully self-employed, juggling multiple freelance jobs, like totally self-bossing for years, continuing that lifestyle while supporting children, like a family. That a lot of people would say is a huge risk. You know, yeah. like, I mean, to you, it's like, that's the way I do it, especially because you've been doing it so long and you, you know, have it down and you have figured it all out yeah. and you, you know, I mean. Well, just that's pretend that's. Better than a lot of people. But, you know, I mean, a lot of people would say that that's a huge risk. So then when you immediately say, I'm not a risk taker, but then talk about your perspective of risk being physical danger, I just think that's interesting. Like, what an interesting way to view it. And I mean, that poses a bigger question of does your percentage or your like probability to take a risk change depending on what circumstance you're in? I would say probably. Yeah. You're not going to go dig a trench and try to jump over it. But you might quit one of the jobs that you have and try something totally different. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you say that because in order to live this life that I'm living, I did just quit my job with just, I'm going to quit. And what are you going to do? I don't know. Something. Mm -hmm. So I did kind of think about that. I'm like, that probably I would identify as one of the riskiest things I've ever done because I just was like, I'm just gonna go with it. I mean, I had some savings so I could survive and pay my bills and my mortgage and all of that for a certain amount of time. So I had some safety net under me, but still I do recognize that that was, I mean, I call it risky. My mom probably would call it crazy, but it's what I did. So at the time, did you consider it a risk that you were taking? Do you feel like I'm taking a huge risk? I think that it was kind of overpowered by just where I was at in life. So I quit my job six weeks before we got married. And it was just like, I basically didn't want to calculate my PTO to plan my honeymoon. I was like, no, 
I want to just get married. And then I just want to go wherever I want to go. And my husband, he's self-employed. He does carpentry. He works with his dad. He's very much like word of mouth business. And so he just kind of runs his own course. And it was like, we're starting a new life. And in our new life, we're not tied down and we don't sit at desks and we do whatever we want. And if we're going to be a partnership, then we have to both be in that same boat together. So I better jump off this ship and get in that one. And here we go. And so it was more about that. I mean, I was also experiencing some unsatisfaction in the workplace. Shocker, if you know me, it pretty much you put me in a workplace and I get to a point of dissatisfaction. So I was there as well and kind of getting burnt out on the system that I was wrapped up in. So at the time, it just felt a little bit more like fresh and free and like new chapter, new life, all that kind of stuff. And yeah, a ticket to go on a honeymoon Yeah, (laughs) without any anyone telling me no. But looking back, it was risky. However, the universe met me right where I was. And my joke is like, when you're in the design world, I feel like everyone lists that they do freelance, you know, on your LinkedIn profile. It's like, I do this, but also I do freelance because you're open to opportunity, right? And so I had that in my LinkedIn profile my whole entire career. I think I designed a business card for an ant and like a cafe menu for another ant, but that would be the extent of freelance projects I had done. And I am not kidding you, walked down the hall, told my supervisor that I was putting in my notice, walked back to my desk, sat down and opened an email from LinkedIn. I see that you're a freelancer. Are you open to opportunities? I'm like, Well, as of 30 seconds ago, I most certainly am. When would you like to talk? So it was totally bizarre, but I got that kind of immediate gratification of taking that risk and like also feeling okay and just building that confidence right then and there. So it was definitely an area where it paid off quickly and I just never looked back. Okay. So where are you on this risk meter? Because I really have no idea. Well, it's funny that you would say that you have no idea because I feel a very similar to you in that physical danger. Hell no. Do not (laughs) sign me up. Absolutely not. Like definitely no. Anything involving physical activity. If there's any amount of water involved, I'm like, "Mm, no, I could die. Like just same. I did not know that. Oh my gosh. Same. It's so bad that like, I won't even go running if the ground is wet. I've fallen (laughs) way too many times. All I can think of when the ground is wet is just myself face planting. Like I just, (laughs) I just can't. So yeah, I'm similar to you in that sense. I would have classified myself as someone that doesn't take risks up until probably a year ago when someone asked me that question and I responded with, I'm not very risky. And then they told me, but you quit your job and you started working for yourself. And that was like the first time that I was like, wait, hold on. That is a huge risk. Like what the hell? So now I don't really know honestly where I fall. I think I would say that I am not against the idea of risk at all. I would say that I do tend to be more of a look before or leap before you look type of a person, just in the sense that like things have historically sort of worked out, or I like know that I'm savvy enough to find my way out of a situation if it doesn't work out. So I think that I'm more inclined to take a risk that way, but I'm also not going to be the type of person that's like investing thousands of dollars in Bitcoin. That's not a risk that I would take either. So it just sort of, for me, depends on maybe the environment and the atmosphere and like what the risk is. 
So I don't know if that even really gives it a percentage. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I feel like, okay, so we think about risk. It's a dangerous situation. And so I feel like there's also this component of like how prepared you are, you know? So we both have that similarity where like the riskiest thing we did was take a leap in our careers. Yep. But I think I had some financial stability under me to take that leap. And I think you did too at the time. Mm -hmm. And so then I'm always like, hmm are we faking it? Cause it wasn't actually that risky because we had some padding, you know, it's not like climbing without ropes. I, that's where I just think the experience is so personal. And even chatting with my husband about it, he's like, well, I'm not risky. And I was like, yeah, but you do crazy shit all the time. But he like, just trusts. He trusts his balance way more than I do. So he'll do things that I wouldn't do. So back to like that physical sense. But I think that's part of it. You know, your talents, you know, your preparation, you kind of know your environment and that allows you to proceed into territories that you wouldn't otherwise go into. So I don't know, it's kind of what looks risky for one person might be completely stable for the next, which makes it interesting, I think. But then I also feel like depending on where not only your environment, but what part of you are like, so for me, some of the riskiest things I've done always takes me into like some amazing travel stories because you just sort of let loose when you're traveling and your inhibitions come down a little bit and you just do things because it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. And so that sort of circumstantial environment makes you do things like talking about water. Yeah, no, me in the ocean. I'm just like, there is a reason our bodies are not equipped to live underwater. We are not supposed to be in the water. <laughs> don't go in the water. Like, don't do it. I've mm -hmm. always been terrified of basically anything I can't confidently swim across. Mm. I don't want to be in, but I did go scuba diving in the Great Barrier Reef and it hands down the scariest thing yeah. I've ever done in my life. And I'm sure there's plenty of people that would say there's no risk involved in that. Like you've got oxygen on, you're fine. Everything's great. And I'm just like, mm, no. Boat ride out to the middle of the ocean and they're telling you if you don't clear your mask often enough or like get the oxygen or whatever, don't worry. If you don't clear your ears, your lungs will explode. So just make sure. And I'm like, time out. The ride's not long enough. I don't think I've learned enough. And now you want me to jump in? Hell no. I mean, there are so many vivid, 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 vivid moments of diving into the ocean and doing that, that I will never forget. It was the most terrifying thing I've ever done. But was it amazing? Well, of course it was because I was yes. swimming through the Great Barrier Reef. So like, yeah. I'm glad I at least did it at one of the most amazing places to do it. Like go big or go home, right? <laughs> yeah, that's incredible. I don't think I could do it. I had like ear surgeries when I was a child. And so I'm just like anything related to water, like I'll get in the ocean, but like I won't go far. I'll you know, get up to my head, but like, that's about it for me. I went to Zion National Park two summers ago and we went hiking through the Narrows, which is like a creek that you walk through. And depending on the season and where the water levels are, like the water at some points could get up to like your shoulders. And I mean, I'm sure I'm like five, three, so definitely got up to my shoulders at some points. I will tell you what, I was like a baby deer in that scenario. I had to have a pole like helping me through. I 
looked ridiculous because I was so scared. I was like just shaking every step I took. I was like, no, this is not for me. And yet the friend I was with, she's just running, running through these like slippery rocks, like prancing about. And I'm over here. Like I can't take one step forward because I will die. <laughs> like, yeah, it is so interesting how our personal response to what well, I, I instinctually was about to say fear, but the topic is risk. Our personal response to risk is such a like unique thing to us, which begs the question of like, what's the correlation between risk and fear? And if something scares you, does that inherently make it risky? Or like who defines risk? Who's to say what's risky? Yeah, I know. That's what kind of made the more I leaned into this, I got more and more curious about it because where do those lines get drawn? Because then I go to like, we drive cars every day and you know, people always say driving in a car is way more dangerous than flying in a plane. But society puts us in a car on a regular basis. And so it's just like a product, again, of your environment that you're taking these acts of risk on a regular basis. And like, it doesn't fill your body with the shock and the anxiety and those thoughts of fear. I mean, I had a car accident. Someone T-bowed me a few years ago. It was literally, I was leaving to get a haircut. It was like the first thing I was doing after having my first son where I was like, look at me, the milk's pumped. I'm going to leave the house for an hour. I'm going to get my haircut. And then it's like, no, you're not. You're going to get T-boned. And luckily everyone was okay. But after that happened, I mean, I'm not a good driver anymore. I think I used to be, but I'm not. Anytime I come to a four-way, I don't trust that anyone's stopping. Like this now, yes, it's risky. So it's interesting that we are doing risky things on a regular basis and don't kind of sniff it out. And then other times, I mean, I would assume your thing with Zion is kind of like me on my travels where it's like, you're here in the now, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity mm-hmm. and just go ahead and do it because, mm-hmm. you know, you don't get to make this decision again. So I think there's a reason to do it in those circumstances. But when it becomes more like calculated risk where you can do your pros and cons mm-hmm. columns and like figure it all out and look at it and decide like, should I do it or should I not? I think those leaps when you say, okay, yeah, there's risk involved. There's no guarantee. This could end up a total shit storm, but we're going to go for it anyways, because for whatever reason, you can't afford to not dive in and try it. So that's yeah. where <laughs> my husband's like, the riskiest thing you've ever done, marrying me, having children. <laughs> like, I don't know, you know, these things where you just do them and it's like, there's no guarantee. Yeah. I would say it's a dangerous, you know, it's not a dangerous environment, but it's not a guaranteed like slam dunk, you know, you can only win in this situation. There's definitely opportunities of error around every corner, you know? So. Yeah. So like between traveling and diving into situations or like work environment where you're making career decisions or even personal life, like do you use different strategies to evaluate risk going into these moments? Yeah, that's such an interesting question because I think, and something that you and I were kind of talking about before we dove deep on this topic. So before we started recording today was this gut response to situations and knowing like instinctually and intuitively what is the right decision, which is something that like only you can make. So there is, I think when I am assessing something, when I'm assessing the level of risk of something, there is a strategy in place that accounts heavily for my instinct. 
and this like inner knowing of what I know about the situation. So the best example that I have that I can use for like my process for assessing risk is the recent decision that I made to put my full-time business off to the side and take a full-time job with a different company. And the process of making that decision was really hard for me because A, the first question was, if I do this, what happens to everything that I've already worked so hard for and like everything that I've already built? Like the risk is that that will all go away. And then that brought up the question of, well, if that all goes away, like, what does that mean? Then I just started like questioning a lot of things and it became this like big existential question. But then on the flip side of that is the risk of, well, what if I do take this job? And there's a two-part question there. It's like the first part is like, well, what if I hate it? It's like, okay, well, strategy came into play of like, well, if I hate it, there's obviously solution. Like I could just quit. You know, I'm not tying myself into anything, even though it felt like such a life or death decision to make this choice. But like, if I was really, when I really was getting down to it, it was like, okay, there is this, I know that I have a backup plan. So that definitely like knowing the backup plan helped me assess what's the risk here. But then the bigger question that I had was like, well, what if I love it? And if I love it, what does that mean for my business? You know, on the flip side, I feel like for me, when I am evaluating risk, it becomes always a bigger existential question, which I guess might lead me to say that I'm more of a risk taker than maybe someone else might be because I do allow the question of risk to become a question of identity, I guess. And I don't ever keep my risk questions surface level. I do really involve like my gut instinct and like, okay, well, what's my gut response to this? And okay, well, what does that mean? If I take Mm -hmm. this, what's that going to mean? So I think I kind of rambled a little bit there, but I think the strategies and like the systems that I would have in place to like assess a risk is really 50% logistics. Like, okay, if I do this, then what? It's always like the next, like, then what? And the flip side of that, if it doesn't go how I'm thinking, then what? You know, and if I feel like I have both of those questions answered, then I can really, I know that I can make the response. But honestly, that's only 50% of my evaluation because the other 50% really is my gut instinct, what my gut response would be. And for my decision to put my business on the side and accept this offer, my gut response was yes. And I then spent a significant amount of time like talking myself out of it and then like talking myself into circles and logicking my way through all of these answers. But like when it did come down to it, I answered all of the what ifs on my own. And the rest of the decision had to come down to my gut instinct. Well, I think that story is powerful, mainly because I was in very much in your life during this whole process. And you just showed up one day and you're like, so I took a job and I was working with you at the time. I mean, we're still working together, but in a much different capacity. And I just remember feeling a lot of respect for the fact that you did that on your own, like you navigated that because it really is so much about your gut, your identity, being true to yourself, knowing what you want, not letting society pressure. So it's an important process to kind of evaluate that in your own time and space and not let other people's evaluation taint that, I guess. And so 
I have gone from thinking these physical experiences, like hiking the precipice trail in Acadia National Park, super dangerous trail. That was a really risky thing. Swimming in the Great Barrier Reef, that was a really risky thing. But then I was like, you know what? Now I feel like the riskiest thing that I've done is this journey I've been on for the last several years of kind of uncovering my mental health and like looking deeper at where is the struggle coming from? Why do I feel confused? Why do I feel torn? And peeling back those layers. And like, it is a very dangerous zone. And I've had without getting kind of too deep in the mental health world, because I feel deep and entrenched in my own journey of it, I still feel very surface level as far as truly understanding the inner workings of all of this. But it is freaking scary to like walk down that path of okay it's time to get to know yourself let's open up all these doors let's look at your past let's look at your present day let's figure out why you're making choices the way that you are let's uncover your truths and I think you know there's also that concept of risk reward and I am starting to see the reward from that process. And that's what's helping me realize that it was a risky thing and I should celebrate that. And I think it's kind of the same for you. You're on the other side of this. You're living this world now where you're working in this full-time job. You still have passions like full force and things going and it works and it's okay. And so coming out the other end and experiencing the reward of taking that leap, sometimes it's that reverse engineering of like, oh, Maybe that was a bigger leap than I thought. Maybe that was a big risk that I took. Mm -hmm. So I think at the time for me, it felt like a necessary thing to do, but I had no idea what I was getting myself into. And then it got scary, you know, and then I'm coming out of it like, oh, wait, this is kind of a cool thing. And I'm eager to keep going down that path where there's definitely been days where I've felt more like shit. I'm in it. I don't think I can get out of it. I think I have to keep unraveling and keep discovering and keep getting in touch with myself. So, you know, it's, I guess, back to that idea of it being a very, it's a very personal thought process, which is kind of cool. So I think something that we haven't talked about is the connection between risk and vulnerability. And Mm. is vulnerability really just the same as risk? Or is being vulnerable, like the biggest risk that you can take? I just, so much of what you were saying, like there's just so much heart behind it. And obviously yeah. like, we're talking about mental health here. So that's obviously like a very personal journey, but there also is this huge level of vulnerability, not only like to open yourself up to like getting professional help with mental health, but also to take the vulnerable step of like peeling back layers of yourself and like looking at parts of yourself And it's just funny that funny isn't the right word. I just, I love that your phrasing of one of the riskiest things you've ever done is look at your mental health because that is such a vulnerable thing. And I think that there is like, what if we did look at risk as like this opportunity to be vulnerable and like ask ourselves in what ways do I want to be vulnerable with my life? You know? Yeah. And what I get out of that. Right. And there's some people that are, have you seen the movie? Is it just called Free Solo where oh, Alex Honnold? Oh my gosh. So watch it before you have children, especially if you're going to have boys. Cause I watched it after I had my first son and I, I was like, Adam, this is like a horror movie. Like you are making me watch somebody's son who they talked about his brain chemistry in that movie, how like he just doesn't make certain connections 
to calculate that risk, they looked at his brain activity. And immediately I was like, we need to get James head scanned. I want to make sure that his brain makes those connections. Like, I do not want to be the mother of the kid who's climbing the top of El Cap without ropes. I mean, good for him, but please, it was the scariest thing ever. And so this free solo movie just totally freaked me out because it's like, that's an example of someone who just processes and evaluates risk in a completely different manner. So they go about their business completely different and don't see it that way. And it's just kind of bizarre. And I think also you sort of look around and you can evaluate risk and vulnerability based on like, is it the norm? Are other people doing this? And it's like, not very many people are climbing a mountain without ropes. So yes, it's probably in the category of risk. And on the same topic, mental health is becoming a very hot topic. And I think it's becoming more acceptable to just talk openly about it. But also, I do feel like it is something that not everyone is willing to go there. You know, we could all be in therapy, we could all be talking about our past and where we are now and just making those connections and looking deeper to understand ourselves, whether there's an exact moment you can point to that you need to uncover or not. But there are plenty of people that they don't want to look behind that curtain. You know, you want to go about your business and just kind of do what feels right or live in a moment of comfort and not kind of step out of that zone and say, what if, what if I did things differently? What if I looked at things differently? What if I tried them differently? How would I show up and how would that look? And to your point, where does that leave me? And that what if, what if I like this better? What if I don't like it better? Who do I become? How does my identity shift? Where does that leave me? I mean, it can be kind of a a scary thing. So it's, I think, interesting because those in the moment risks, it's like, hopefully I don't die in the ocean. Hopefully I don't fall off the edge of this cliff. Hopefully I don't whatever those like in the moment traumas or whatever. But then maybe those are less risky because it's a short duration like it's mm-hmm. been there done that it's done and then it's done you know like you're going to do something risky for two hours and then it's over versus these career shifts or like changing your mind on where you're going in life or looking behind the curtain of mental health and where you've been I mean that's not something that just starts and ends it puts you on another path it sends you down another journey your reality, your existence, it changes and you're going to be a new version of you Mm -hmm. regardless. So that can be scary, right? Well, that's such a, I love that look at risk. Like I love thinking about it from that perspective because I don't know, and maybe this is just me, but hearing you say that makes me think, wow, I want to take more risks. I want to find more opportunities that I can change my life. You know, like that's cool. Can I be more risky? Where can I be more risky? What am I doing now? That's like not risky at all. (laughs) Maybe should be, you know, like, sure. Yeah. I mean, it could be why you end up stagnant in relationships. Yeah. You know, like you get comfortable, you get in a comfort zone and you're like, I'm just going to ride it out right here because I don't know what's going to happen if I change. And I mean, if you look backwards, There's so many opportunities where you could say, I wish I would have been riskier to your point, you know, like where could you have taken more if you needed to leave a bad situation or get out of a job sooner, get out of a relationship sooner, or 
make a move or, you know, that was another one my husband brought up. He's like, well, you moved to Lawrence just by yourself. And Mm -hmm. at the moment, I didn't look at that as risky. It was just like, I'm going off to college, but also I was moving like four States away and pursuing something. And not everybody does that. So looking backwards, it's like, I don't know, maybe that was risky. It certainly landed me in a different place. My trajectory changed completely based on that decision. So yeah, I love the direction this has taken because gosh, it really makes me think about the idea of risk differently. Because I also think that that also makes me look at my historical choices with risk and look at them differently as well. Like it becomes less of a like, was that a good risk or a bad risk? Did that pay off or did it not pay off? And it becomes more of a, what type of person am I now because of that? Yeah, I think they're like building blocks too, because you try new experiences and then it's like, okay, maybe I could do something, you know, I feel like it's really easy to look at those physical experiential things as kind of like a guiding light to it, you know, because it's okay, if I did this hike, and you asked me to do something else, you can think back like, well, I did it once. So maybe I could do it again, or I could take on a bigger feat or, you know, I finished a half marathon. Now I'm looking at a full marathon. I mean, just Mm -hmm. those kind of building blocks of like, if I've done this, maybe I could do that. And it's interesting to also look back at some of those bigger pivotal turns in your life where you had to make those big decisions Mm -hmm. and you weren't sure what was going to happen, but it was a building block along the way because you wouldn't even be presented with your opportunities of risk right now if you hadn't made your other choices in the past. Yeah. Hmm. It's getting deep. It is. Risky business. I did not anticipate this getting this deep are really honestly heading this direction at all, but I love it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think this is great. So, okay, let's think about the reward side of this. What do you think are some of the biggest rewards you've gained from the risks you've taken in Mm. your life? Mm. Well, to just expand on this identity level topic that we're talking about is like, I would say that some of the biggest risks that I've taken have truly to your point, like made me a different person today. I think that it was really risky to say yes to a life with my partner, John. We were maybe not in a place in our lives where like that should have been something that we were doing, but we did it anyway. And I three years later, I'm so happy that I'm here, you know, and and I'm a different person because of it. And I have a beautiful life, I think, because of it. But that was a very risky move at the time. I also think too, like the big risk that I took of quitting my job and working for myself, like, yes, I had a safety net of my savings to fall back on, but I did then burn through those savings completely. (laughs) And then had to, you know, start over fresh. And There were several months there where I was like really concerned that I wasn't going to pay my bills. And I, it was scary there for a little while, but it taught me so much about myself. And I think it also like, it taught me to be brave to ask other people things that I wouldn't have been brave enough to ask. Also, you know, it like got me to have conversations with people about finances, about starting their own business, about choosing a life for themselves. It allowed me to like, view life through a different lens and make new connections with people that I wouldn't have done on my own had I not been in that situation. 
And I also think that it really has shaped the person that I am today and the way that I just view the world in general, because I, I know that I have already taken a really big risk and you could argue that financially it did not pay off. It was like a negative thing because I burned through all my savings and like now I'm just rebuilding my savings because all the time it took to get all that money back basically evens out to four years later breaking even. But what I gained because of that risk is huge. So I don't know, I guess it it does, I guess for me come down to like, does the negative result outweigh the positive result? And I think what I am learning about myself over and over and over again is that the positive result does always outweigh the negative because there's always, you can always find a positive in that you take. Yeah. You can always learn at the very least. And as long as you view learning as a positive, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Whether you wanted to learn that lesson or not. I think the correlation to risk-taking and like relationships and the relationships you're in is really a nice correlation as well. And, you know, I've wanted to talk about my identity as a stepmom at some point in this podcast, and I think it's going to show up in multiple episodes. But, you know, my husband and I, we met and then now when we tell the story in a very nice romantic way, he says that he courted me for... I say way too long before we started dating. So, cause I was like, what is going on? But then it was after that, like first week where we were actually kissing. Mm-hmm. And I remember he left and I closed the door. It was actually the first time he stopped over like trick-or-treating or something with his daughter who was three at the time, I think. Oh. And I remember closing the door and just going, what the fuck am I doing? Because it is risky mm-hmm. to think about dating a man with a child and like, what am I doing? But the whole reward out paying the risk was definitely there. And in the moment, I just, I kind of had that blip and that thought, but it wasn't enough. I didn't have pause. I didn't do pros and cons lists or any of that kind of stuff. It was just like, well, this is what we're doing. Like you've been hanging out with this guy for so long. You know that, you know, you like him and you guys vibe and all of that. But his daughter had never been in the mix of like our friendship. You know, he kept that separate. We were like hanging out at dinner and bars and stuff. So she was not there for that. So then it's like that part enters the equation and it's like, oh, wait a minute. This is a much bigger thing than you realize. And, you know, for you to say to look for the positives to outweigh the negatives or anything. I mean, being a stepmom is by far one of the hardest things I have ever, ever, ever had to do. I mean, you have to look so deep at yourself. You have to operate from a place of restraint a lot of times and, you know, just understand where your presence is needed, where it's not needed, what battles you can fight. And usually it's really the fact that you don't have an ax in any of the battles, like you're just there. So, but obviously the reward of it, I mean, having a stepdaughter is amazing. My relationship with her is amazing. A lot of people assume that that's the rub. That's what makes that thing hard is like, oh, do you have this bratty kid that shows up in your life? And it's like, no, actually, that's not it. Like I have this really amazing kid in my life. And I don't understand what the boundaries are supposed to be on this relationship. And I don't want to hurt her in the process of trying to navigate this and understand this. But So it it feels like, you know, I am constantly living in this risky situation because 
there's a fragile byproduct in the middle of all this, you know, like there's this innocent child in the middle of it and you want to make the right decisions and experience your emotions in the right way. And obviously the positives outweigh the negatives by far, but holy shit, was that a risky move? You know, like not everyone would even Mm -hmm. put it on like an internet dating profile people would just pass and not even think twice. So I like that concept of risk in relationships. I mean, I think no matter who you're choosing to enter a partnership with, that's risk because you really have no, there's no way to know how your partnership is going to turn into like a lifestyle and what the norm is going to be, what the day-to-day is going to look like and like how these two worlds are going to blend together. You can't research that. You have to just, go a lot on your gut. And obviously, I mean, I feel like we call it, you know, our butterflies and all of that kind of stuff. But I think there probably is a lot of similarities in what our physical body is doing when we're experiencing a risk situation. And when we're experiencing like those first onset emotions of love and intimacy with someone, I bet if you were like looking at a body scan, I bet there's some similar color waves going on there would be my gut. There you go. All right. So as we are talking about risk today, of course, we are tying it into our systems and we are bringing up the topic of a smooth system or a splintered system. So something that is working really well, a system you've encountered that you are very much in favor of, or on the flip side of that, a system that is absolutely not working and is trash and let's just get rid of it. And that would be what we call a splintered system. So today we are going to talk about some smooth systems. I think both of us have some smooth systems to chat about. So Stacy, take it away. What's your smooth system for this week? So I'm going to get a little bit dreamy on us this week with a smooth system because I feel like I've just really been rocking this, working from a place of intention. And I'm very much in line with the receiving energy. I actually had a really great Reiki session this afternoon, which reinforced that that's where I'm at. And I'm just in this place where I'm like, bring it on. You show me what's out there and I'm going to take it on and just trust that it's presenting itself because it's where I'm supposed to be in this moment. And it's here right now because I've been intentional up until this point. And so I've been kind of on this path of trusting the universe and you know everything happens for a reason and if you just think it and will it it will happen and I'm really I think seeing that come to fruition extremely clear right now in my life and so I'm like I've always been I would say mostly all in but always had like at least one toe out where I'm like maybe this is all a bunch of bullshit, but it might be. But specifically about like the universe and like the law of attraction and like, yes, the the secret, all the stuff. I mean, I've been having people preach this to me for a long time and I've read Abraham Hicks and all these people and I'm like, okay, yes, but Mm -hmm. maybe it's a bunch of shit. But I'm here to say (laughs) now that I'm like, no, it's full on. It's happening. I'm in each moment. I'm living with intention, you know, it's supporting me financially, it's supporting me physically, it's supporting me in all these ways. So I'm all in, I'm 100% full believer. To be clear, your smooth system is living with intention, putting out what you'd like to see returned back to you, and watching that happen. Yeah, 
I mean, it's happened both ways. You know, I think I've put out negative energy in the past and it came right back into my face. And maybe that's why I thought it wasn't working, but actually it was working. (laughs) That's what I was putting out there. And so we're in a good place now because we're sending some good positive vibes out into the universe and it's coming back at me. So there you go. Cool. I love that that is happening for you. Well, my smooth system is actually in a similar vein. So my smooth system is the process of journaling. I know that journaling is not for everyone, but I personally have found it to be an incredibly effective system of, well, twofold. One, the process of just brain dumping and sort of like word vomiting into my journal has been incredibly helpful for me. Like it gives me a space to do everything from like just get all of the thoughts out there to like literally plan my day down to like the minute detail of like, well, if I do this, then I won't have time for that. And, you know, I'll, I'll spend time writing all these things down. And if I didn't write them down, they would just be spinning in my head all day. But it also has given me the opportunity to like really expand on some thoughts that I might naturally shy away from if I was just thinking them on my own. I mean, in the topic of vulnerability, yeah, journaling really allows you to look deeply at what you're thinking and make sense of it. So Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. the system of journaling is one that works really well for me. So I don't do it every day, but when I am journaling, I try to journal three pages at one time and just really like let my thoughts flow and let it happen. And yeah, I love it. Smooth system, journaling, big fan. Yep, I would definitely say ditto to that one. I've gone in and out of journaling over the years and I am also currently journaling most days. And I've also kind of realized this time around that I haven't necessarily been totally vulnerable in the past when I was journaling. I think I've at times kind of just been checking the box like successful people journal. So if I journal, I'll be successful. So let me write something down, but it feels different this time around where I'm not like, I used to almost just document the good parts of what I was doing right. And I would shy away from the bad parts or I would only journal when I was like venting or something to try and get that negative energy out. But this time around has felt different. And sometimes I feel stuck. Like I don't really know what's in my mind. Mm -hmm. And so I just start writing like lists of almost like the labeling technique. I don't know if you've ever done that in meditation. Yeah. Have you ever done that where like you're literally supposed to label everything that you're hearing or any thought that comes into your head? And so sometimes I just do that in my journal where it's like, I'm sitting in my office. I'm going to do this today. I did this yesterday and just really surrounding myself with the facts of where I'm at. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely. And just writing people just whether you call it journaling or not, it's becoming a dying art where people put a pen in their hand and touch a paper. I completely, completely agree. And it is such a private space. It's like really we are in such a loud, socially available at all times world. But a journal is really an opportunity for you to just be with your own thoughts and to see them reflected back to you. That is something also that I really find to be valuable is like just flipping back through past entries. And there are times where I've journaled about difficult decisions or difficult risks that I am wanting to take. And it's always interesting to me to go back and look at that and to just see like, I knew what my gut response 
was throughout the whole time that I was like questioning this. And I can see it in this writing, you know, I can see juggling those decisions. And it's just so interesting to have like a record of the way that your brain works. Yeah. Journaling is great. It's great. If you get on the train, highly recommend. Now it's not for everybody, but it's good. Yeah. I try to write an affirmation for myself every week as well. And this time it came, mine for this week came to me in the midst. Of course, I just closed my journal where I had it right in front of my face, but this intention came to me in the middle of a journal entry. And it says, I know how to live my life. Wow. And I like it. I'm going to keep this one around for a while, I think. I love that one. Put it on a post-it note and put it somewhere in the house that you aren't expecting to see it. Yes, I know. I have post-its on my desk that I see and I try to swap them out every so often I need to. Right now I have, these three have been up for a long time. I always honor others, but not before myself. Purpose is purpose is purpose. And I speak my truth always. I need to refresh them because they've been there a long time, but I think I might just land on this one for a while. I know how to live my life. And I think it's the same thing, this whole being feeling power of intention and like just trusting that each individual action I take is getting me further down the line. And even if I don't know what the end of that rope looks like, mm-hmm. if you're intentional in each moment, it's going to intentionally get you somewhere. You know what I mean? Like you're not yeah. going to end up just like yeah. in la la land. You're going to be somewhere. I mean. You might wake up and say, well, shit, that's so weird. Oh, I don't know. But I'm kind of experiencing that right now too, as like my wedding planning business is just booming this year. So it's year six of that quote unquote business, because it's always, you know, I've told people, oh, it's kind of a side hustle hobby thing. Mm -hmm. I've just sort of let it sit over there and do its thing. But year six, it's in my face. And I don't think I ever would have told you I was intentionally moving the needle to become a wedding planner, but it is very well aligned and like allows me to fully live my identity and what I want to offer people and what I want to do and things like that. So I didn't know that that was the label for my energy and where I could seek purpose in life. But Mm -hmm. I have to believe that everything I've done up until this point landed me in this chapter. And I don't know if this is where it ends or if it's a step in the direction of just being that helper and giver and working for others in that way. I think it's probably a moment in that chapter, but it's Got me really believing that, yeah, I know how to live my life. Yeah, right place, right time for you. Which is all that matters. Yep. Okay, you guys, this conversation has been inspiring and took some turns that I don't even know we were expecting, but that is why we're here to uncover topics that inspire us, that intrigue us. So we want to leave you today with asking you what your biggest risk in life has been. And we would love for anyone out there listening to us to join the conversation and come on over to Instagram. You can find us at Systems Symposium on Instagram. There are two S's in the middle of that. Let us know what risks you're taking. Listen to past episodes and feel free to dive into some dialogue with myself, Stacey and Abby here at Systems Symposium. We can't wait to meet you guys. 